fellow lover. Here we are. It's episode four. I'm interviewing Sean, the rugged fox himself. (laughs) I knew Sean in high school. Uh, He was a friend of mine's prom date, actually, and I remember thinking he was just fun on a bun, and uh, now he's come such a long way. He has his own blog. You can find that on ruggedfox.com, and it's just really open about his dating adventures and says himself that Rugged Fox is the story of a fabulous redhead whose search for a husband has yet to lead him anywhere but to the bottom of a wine bottle. So if that sounds interesting to you, definitely check it out. I've really enjoyed following his journey. And um, Sean, I reached out to him because he made a status update on Facebook that he felt like he was becoming a Stanford Blatch. And I wasn't sure if that was a positive or a negative thing, but he had a lot of really beautiful and eloquent things to say about Sex and the City. And I think it's cool uh, with this podcast, I definitely want to examine the things that were problematic about Sex and the City, but it's also neat to talk to someone like Sean, who was impacted by it in such a positive way, and remember that the show did mean something to people for a reason. So I was really happy to hear him uh, talk about that and remember why I love the show so much. So let's just get right into it. Uh, Sean and I did things a little differently. We didn't discuss a particular episode of Sex and the City. We just talked about the character Stanford Blatch and why he thinks he might be becoming him and why that's maybe not such a bad thing. And now, the queen and queen of our prom... Carrie Bradshaw and Stanford Black. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> Very well. Long time no talk. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, it's, it's been a long time. Yeah. So what's your well what's your relationship to Sex in the City? That's what is that? That's a good question. Uh we go way back. Uh I've watched the show probably the entire series about three times. Uh, relationship with it is strong. The writing, the characters, everything about it I love to this day. The humor, the situations. Um, yeah, it's quite strong. Is it kind of like a comfort show that, like, what, do you go back to it sometimes? Definitely a comfort show. Definitely goes brilliant with white wine or pretty much anything. But, yeah, I have my favorite episodes, which I go back to, um, which kind of really put life into perspective um like the one where carrie is fashion or fashion runway roadkill when she mm-hmm. trips and then heidi klum walks over her and the one where she gets her louis or not louis uh her manolo blonick stolen at the party and then registers oh, herself as getting married to herself you know that's funny everyone i've talked to like after we're done and I've stopped recording, usually brings up woman's right to shoes as such a woman's right to shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Such a iconic episode. I think it's just such a brilliant episode. And it definitely speaks to, uh, it speaks to me more and more every single year I grow up and the plan that I'm probably going to get married to myself one day, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but could be in the future. If there's yeah. no Liza Minnelli or bringing Anthony <laughs> Marantino. And- Oh, I kind of pretend like the second movie didn't happen or that it was so didn't exist. Yeah, I am exactly with you. I uh, I pretend that the second movie never happened. And what kills me even more is that it was the same writer as most of the episodes or the lead writer. So um, I want to say Michael Patrick King, King but I could yeah. be getting that wrong. Um, Michael Patrick. King. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. 
It's so weird. I, I was talking about this earlier that um, sometimes you see a really strong writer, a really strong performer just start to lose that because with any business, with capitalism, you have to be growing by a certain percent every year. So I think Absolutely. people just stop having integrity and start just wanting to please everyone. Totally. Yeah, and I think the nature, I think it was with the screenwriting process and just the screenplay, and you're exactly right, the amount of interest in behind the money going into it, but the characters, yeah, lost complete integrity, credibility. It just wasn't, it wasn't believable, and it wasn't the characters that had aged for so long so beautifully mm. on the small screen. Yes, and it's it's really too bad because I do love Liza Minnelli. I wanted more for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love Liza Minnelli too, but just that entire, even thinking about it still makes me cringe. Oh, yeah. Like, it just that entire, that entire wedding, that entire scene. And then the fact, too, that, like, for a show during its time, um, for portraying homosexuality and gay male homosexuality, like, with a few characters, it did it incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Like, it was not, it was definitely, like, surface level when it needed to be but it also provided depth um to those characters like stanford um like anthony but in the movie it lost all of that oh my goodness even Mm -hmm. when they're like at the gay bar dancing with all the shirtless guys and (laughs) the beautiful aussie sells the shoes anyways it was still true to form but yeah the movie with swans and Liza minnelli anyways it was too gay to function so were you even um... for them were you watching the show um, when you were when you were closeted, and or were you already out when you were watching the show, or were you ever closeted? I don't know. Uh, yeah, definitely. I started watching the show. I was a little bit of a late bloomer to it, but I probably came to it about a year after coming out of the closet. So I just moved okay. back to just moved back to Winnipeg to go to university, um, and my best girlfriend. Let me season one, just on DVD back in the day, oh, nice. and I remember watching the first episode, going, "Yeah, I don't really know if this is for me." But by the time I was in a couple of episodes, I went, "Oh my goodness!" I was like, "This is life." Mm-hmm. I was like, "This is exactly the connection was so strong," and so I actually ended up sailing through pretty much most of the series pretty quickly after that. Yeah, and was there what was that like for you to be freshly out and watching this show? I think it was incredibly exciting, but also incredibly hopeful at the time, Um, because I think there was a lot of, I think with even like the more difficult situations that they portrayed within the show, there was kind of a hopefulness or positivity or a well-rounded life aspect. Um, And I found the, I found the characters to be quite inspiring. Like I found just the history of Carrie Bradshaw and moving to a big city and, being around all these people and these experiences and kind of like this life was just, um, yeah, it was very hopeful. Yeah, that's true. I was watching, um, I just watched the other day, the episode one where Charlotte goes through a miscarriage and mm-hmm. her hope at the end of the episode. And, uh, yeah. I thought they portrayed that really beautifully. They, uh, Yeah, it was just with delicacy and respect and also a lot of, uh, plenty of realism. Like, I think that was one of the strongest aspects of the show is that even now, I find now at 
31, almost 32, watching it 10 years later, it's almost like watching the show through a complete new set of eyes as well, because now I'm kind of, I've lived not all of these experiences. Of course, I still have a ways to go, but live them enough to have this personal experience that kind of goes, yeah, that's, that's actually exactly how it happens, right? Like after... I attended 18 weddings in nine years. Oh, I emceed nine in a row. And I probably have spent upwards of 35, 40 grand on just weddings. And now I'm into baby shower season, but certainly a woman's right to shoes mm-hmm. <laughs> resonates very strongly. Like there's no plans on the horizon of me ever getting married and of course having a child. Um, so absolutely, I I get it. Mm-hmm. And the so Stanford Blatch, the whole reason mm-hmm. that we are speaking today. I saw you post that you feel you're slowly turning into Stanford Blatch. I yes, I posted that. Yeah, I found myself looking into looking into a crystal ball and seeing Stanford Blatch looking right back at me. <laughs> um, which I think the exciting part about that is that I'm actually totally okay with it. Like, I'm losing my hair. I was looking at glasses while I'm totally balding. Um, maybe not totally, but one day. Um, anyways, I was looking at these glasses the other day, which are, like, Mr. Magoo shaped that were just circular, and I went, oh, my God. It was, like, like apart from, like, the totally olive, like, the pimento green suit from head to toe, <laughs> um, I am totally, yeah, it turned into a Stanford Blatch. I would say, I would say that. And you- I... You're adventurous with fashion, maybe not in the same way, but from what I've seen, like you're you're all right with being visible, and Stanford's very visible. Definitely all right with being visible, yeah. And I've definitely experimented in my day with several a bright color and floral pattern shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've definitely worn some pretty ridiculous outfits, um, and I'm not against wearing something pimento green, just for the record. But I think <laughs> part of it too is kind of. Oh, sorry. I was just saying, if anyone has any pimento green, they want to float your yeah. way. Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm more than open to it. Um, but I think part of it was actually looking back on the show. I think 10 years ago when I first started watching it, I didn't love I didn't love Stanford. Because Stanford was not kind of like the homosexual I envisioned myself turning into. Like, he was kind of... I viewed him as kind of being more superficial, more stereotypical, more materialistic, more... All of these things, very flashy. Um, and now looking back and watching the show again, in respect to looking at a lot, plenty more kind of characters styled on television shows in that fashion to this day, Stanford has a ton of heart. Stanford mm-hmm. has a ton of loyalty. Stanford has respect. Um, and he has several endearing qualities, which I think are really, really important. And just even that image of kind of like this slightly chubby guy going to the underwear party and doing all of these things like he doesn't fit in um he doesn't fit in with that stylized magazine image of what being a gay man at his age should be with a six-pack and a tan and all of these things but he yeah but he still has a sense of humor and he still lives life and i think that's why um yeah that's why i'm totally okay with turning into a stanford blotch I think it's cool that they do portray, like, he is somewhat sex-crazed in some episodes, but they portray mm-hmm. it in a nuanced way uh, because I think he doesn't have that, 
movie star good look quality, so he's not going to be able to go out and mm-hmm. obtain sex as easily as maybe somebody else. So there is heart to it. There is nuance to it. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not just uh, – it's not salacious. Yeah. And it's the and it's the nature, too, of his um, – that makes me think I always laugh in the, the fashion roadkill episode when – I think Charlotte describes him first as a younger Ed Harris yeah. <laughs> to Anthony, which makes me totally, totally crack up. Um, but I also really like his relationship to um, to the females in the show, and especially mm-hmm. to Carrie. And I think that's something I really relate to in my life, is that I have these incredibly, incredibly strong female relationships. I'm not friends with a lot of um, a lot of men in general, I'm not to say I'm not friends with men, but <laughs> but I think that's also important too. Is kind of like the relationship that Carrie and Stanford have is very representative of this. Like they both need each other. You know, you don't have kind of gay men in this corner treating women like you know what I mean. Like doesn't matter or disrespecting them. Or I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but <laughs> no, but like it's very. I like the portrayal of that on the show because I think that's very true and I think that there's a lot of heart and I think that that's a relationship that sustains. Mm-hmm. And I like that they're dynamic because sometimes when I, on a rewatch, yeah, being in my 30s now, on a rewatch, I'm like, oh, come on, Carrie, because there's certain things that when I was 20 I related to that now I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I I don't understand oh, yeah. why I'm still acting this way. Um, yeah. But – the relationship between Stanford and Carrie is a really nice subdued. They're not all like screaming and mm-hmm. giggling and grabbing each other. Totally. Like they just yeah. appreciate each other's company. And that's exactly it. And it's kind of very, when the two of them are together one-on-one for the most part, quite a bit, but there's kind of, there's a lot of history. Um, yeah, and it's not, they kind of break away. You really kind of get to the heart of the characters in those scenes, as versus, you're right, like, you know, jumping up and down the air and screaming and confetti. Not like there's not that, too, but, yeah. you know, right to the martini and Yeah, and I think go. that's a lot of what sometimes women will pursue friendships with gay men because they want the screaming and the martinis, um, mm-hmm. and they're not thinking as much about the person behind it, which... It's nice to see Stanford represented having his own storylines as well. Absolutely. And I'm just even thinking of kind of the the image of the gay best friend, you know, and how Stanford in and of himself really breaks open that image, too, or really kind of not even breaks open, but actually kind of owns in on some truth to it. You know, that mm-hmm. like Stanford definitely has, you know, the flashiness and the flair and the color but underneath that is, you know, an individual who is shining just as bright. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the Australian guy. I think he mm-hmm. he would have been her more stereotypical gay best friend. For sure. But that didn't they, work for um, her because it was shallow. Because it was shallow. And they played out that song, like, scene so beautifully, like that episode arc when they ended up at Cabin or Cottage or whatever that place was called. Oh, that yeah, the, the place in the key, yeah. Where she was ditched as soon as, you know what I mean? Like, as soon as another attractive body was present, she was left in the dust, which 
really kind of speaks to really speaks to where Stanford comes into play and where mm-hmm. where friendship and loyalty and respect and all of these things come into and come he, into play. Yeah. And he even mentions in the in that episode that he's known her since she used to wear candies. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, totally, yeah. And before and he, he like he, he busts them at brunch, which I love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just drinking mimosas. Who is this man? Yeah. Um, yeah, which I I really like, and I think as the show as this show ages, I think that's one of like one of the timeless qualities. Well, I guess of every character, but of Stanford as well. And like you mentioned, yeah, they're definitely Stanford is not. I uh, I don't know if this is a word. Um, I want to say like desexualized. Like Stanford definitely, he he's not kind that. of. He's not a will from a will and grace. Like, he definitely is a gay man having sex with gay men, living that life, mm-hmm. um, which we know, which I think is a really important point that you made. But that's not the that's not the primary focus. It's part of the picture, but it's not all of it. Yeah, and that's it's always nice to see um, someone portrayed beyond their sexuality and when I rewatch it, I think Stanford Blatch is way ahead of his time because mm-hmm. he's got this geek chic quality that I think now would be very desirable. But yeah, at the absolutely. time, kind of he's the butt of the joke a lot of the time where he has trouble yeah. in the dating world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Stanford is above, like, is ahead of his time. And the more, the more I watch it now from kind of this this life just the more i like him and the more i appreciate him and the more i think his character his persona has just has stood out mm-hmm. and so the fact that too that i'm actually really i'm really happy with life and how it's turning out and to be a stanford blatch i think is would be a wonderful a wonderful life mm-hmm. is that a universal theme that cuz certainly in my friend circle when you get to be in your 30s, there were so many things about yourself that you would nitpick on in your 20s that kind of start to drop away. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely, I feel like now I'm having like way more fun. I feel like now I've turned, I've turned 30 and turned like 15, 16 or like 16 again, mm-hmm. like flying to the Vegas to see the Backstreet Boys doing all of these things that all of these things that I had been too scared or hesitant or not willing to do or tell anybody that now there's definitely an excitement and vigor um, to life and kind of a confidence and a self-esteem that is in there. I think one of the most interesting parts of life now is kind of is having all these female best friends who I absolutely adore and are my life and having them all become pregnant and they're all married and babies are now in the picture and the the evident like evolution of where life goes next because I think part of um where am I going with this I think part of just kind of envisioning the sex in the city is going okay well where the cocktails, everything, the socialization, the living is great. And then what is also the greater purpose to also support that outside of, and I'm not, I'm trying not to describe that to just having a baby or getting married. And that's what's nice about, like you said, woman's right to shoes is that 
your greater purpose can be it can be so many things. Mm-hmm. With Carrie, it was just accepting the fact that she's not that traditional woman who's going mm-hmm. to like quote unquote grow up and have a baby. She's she is a grown up, and she's just owning the fact that these are her priorities, and that doesn't make her better or worse. Absolutely, and there's such a there's such a strength, comfort, and solace in that, and also an acceptance of vulnerability and weakness, mm-hmm. which is like at the end of the day, it's like they're not gonna not gonna change, and why should they? Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm gonna do uh, to wrap things up what I do with all of my guests: uh, Sex in the City speed round. Um, oh, okay. Oh, geez. Yeah. So, which of the <laughs> It's nothing too scary. Uh, okay. Which of the four girls do you identify with the most? I know everybody says Carrie, but definitely, uh, definitely Carrie with a strong, strong element of Charlotte. Ooh, that's a yeah. Good so definitely Carrie and like the edgy, the writer. Um, but yeah, also Charlotte and kind of that that eternal romanticism. Hmm. I did. I did always love that about Charlotte. She never, mm-hmm. she never gave up. The hopeless, hopeless romantic, which I love. Mm-hmm. I guess not so hopeless. She ended up with Harry, so that was positive. Yeah, she ends up with the best Sex in the City boyfriend City. ever. Totally, hands down, hands down. That's my next question. Who is your favorite Sex in the City boyfriend? Favorite Sex in the City boyfriends. Um, God, Harry is Harry's fantastic. Steve is totally endearing. <laughs> um, you'll listen to the podcast and you'll see that I've had problems with Steve on a rewatch, but okay. I do like where they end up. I like where the, I'll say that I like where they end up. Um, yes, and I'm just thinking of it like his cute button smile. Mm-hmm. I Aiden was never my favorite. Briefly, when he had short hair for that one scene when he comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of some of the more temporary ones. Burger was awful, except they were great in restaurants, which I really appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> the have you had? Have you no. met someone that you were great in restaurants with that turned out to be awful? Oh, oh, totally. And just having having that understanding of having friends and going out with couples that are great in restaurants, but they just are terrible at everything else. Mm-hmm. So on point, you can shut down a restaurant, like literally have them lock up the place around you. But as soon as that's done, there's no conversation or hope. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I'm trying to think. And then uh, Stanford's boyfriends. Why am I forgetting his name? The dancer. Oh, I like him. I can't remember his remember name. who turned out to be like an exotic or like in pornography before or something like yeah, that. An escort. Anyways, I loved him. Yeah, he was an escort, and his name, his escort name was Paul. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in Honto yes. magazine. Um, when they had that prom scene, when they go back to prom, oh, it just killed me. That's uh, yeah, boy interrupted. That's one of my favorite episodes ever, where they go to gay prom and gay prom. She, she dates David Duchovny. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah. Oh, it was brilliant. And he is a very sweet boyfriend, and I think that was a testament to Stanford's maturity level that he was able mm-hmm. to forgive him and move on. Yeah, absolutely. God, I um, love him. He was cute as a button. He's very cute and sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a memorable Sex and the City outfit that springs to mind? Ooh. 
Could be any character. Any character. Ooh, that's an excellent question. Okay. Um, I will. I'm taking too long to think about this. This is a speed round. I automatically thought about one of my girlfriend's favorite, favorite costumes, which was on Carrie when she wears a cape and she approaches Charlotte about not wanting to lend her money. It's a really beautiful kind of heart-wrenching scene. But I would have to lock in for myself personally, like Stanford in the pimento green suit. Like to me, that just is emblazoned in my brain. <laughs> I loved, I saw an episode recently where he was wearing a floral button down and the tie was like a lilac and it picked up the colors in the shirt. And I was like, oh, you were yes. so ahead of your time. Like, totally. That looked crazy oh, yeah. in the 90s, but now that's that's on point. Now it's absolutely on point. Yeah. And we talk about like patterns and colors, all of these things. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's on point. And mixing patterns. Yep. Yes. Um, okay, favorite Sex in the City location? Ooh, location. I'd have to say Carrie's apartment. Yeah. It's a perfect apartment. The layout. It really, like, it still is in my... It still is in my dreams. That apartment, that rent-controlled apartment. Mm-hmm. Until Eden bought it. Yeah. But, um, but just being just able to... Just the comfort that brought... And just the bed, like, I just remember just the scene when she gets home at 6.30 or whatever in the morning, um, single and fabulous question mark. Oh, yeah. And she's, like, smoking a cigarette and having coffee and flipping through the newspaper on the bed <laughs> and passes out to wake up to Stanford's phone calls. I'm like, this is exactly, like, that just happened, like, two weeks ago. Um, oh. But, yeah, Carrie's, Carrie's apartment, definitely. yeah. Okay, and uh, last, we already talked about our feelings on the movies, uh, sort of. And also, my last question is always, should Carrie have ended up with Big? Oh, God, geez, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so. Yeah. I'm going to have to lock that in. Whether or not, like, I see Carrie... I don't envision them as happily ever after. Mm. Like, I could see in the future, like, I could see it not working out down the road, as they tried to do in the films very unsex- like unsuccessfully. Mm-hmm. But whether or not I think that the series had to end with her ending up with a man, no. Oh. That it happened to be big during the time, I actually thought was quite... I thought was quite realistic. Mm-hmm. And it's nice that, for me... Uh, I'm sure, like, everyone has their Mr. Biggs, and mm-hmm. it's incredibly comforting to have that moment where you finally are on the same page, and then wherever mm-hmm. things go from there, whatever, but at least mm-hmm. you weren't chasing each other for one second. Yes, absolutely. And I think that if you can... You can kind of chart over at least the TV series kind of the evolution maturation of character like carrie's character and her relationship to to love and relationships in the sense that like from the get-go with big like carrie's super super annoying you know like in that love like like there's episodes which are just infuriating when he's moving to paris and she's kind of that paranoid like attached clingy Mm -hmm. not confident 
you know what I mean? Like waiting by the phone, waiting on every single move. And as the show carries on, well, pun intended, but that's been used. <laughs> um, I think you can, you can really see how by the end of it, they met each other where were the, like where they were both at. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really nice to come for, full circle to that because that's all she wanted for all those years that the show was on. She just wanted, she even says, I want someone I can stop mm-hmm. and stand still with. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe out of every single boyfriend relationship character that she had, that Big was the most, the most right. I think he was best suited to her. Yeah. Best suited, yeah. I have a lot of female friends who love Aiden, and I always say, I think mm-hmm. Aiden would be great for you, but mm-hmm. for Carrie, I always thought it was a miss, not a good match. Totally. And I thought, and I just thought it was more, yeah, to me, Aiden, Aiden was like second most painful to Trey. Like, <laughs> Trey was hard to watch, but, but Aiden was, and it was because they weren't right for each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, just even when they moved in together and the Aiden with the, like, I forget what he said, but he's like, that Pop-Tart, what do you do? What did you do today? Who do you know? Oh, yeah. Who you <laughs> and she's just... Yeah, exactly. And I can still hear his voice saying that and I can just feel my shoulders, you know what I mean? Yeah. Clenching just thinking about that. He's like a very, I could picture him with the woman he ended up with, like, and they have a kid and I picture him being like, he makes all the dad jokes and, you know. Mm -hmm, Totally. Yeah. And that's great if that's who you want to be with. But for Carrie, who's a writer, (laughs) kind of cringeworthy. Oh, no, it was just, it was, it was. It was uh, claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, was there anything you cool. wanted to say in closing? I will say just a short story and very short, just in regards to Stanford again and the glass doll episode. Oh, my God. I'm so Do you remember that when there's that. all the dolls on the bed and then he actually breaks one? So and their eyes are all like flitting while he's making out with his boyfriend. Totally. Yeah. So I ended up, this was years ago. And by years, I mean about like approximately four and a half. Anyways, I was at the pub late this one night and I just started talking to this older gentleman that was beside me. Um, older being early 70s, mid 70s, oh, okay. I guess I should define. Anyways, we were having a nice chat, and so then, of course, the pub closed, and then he said that he had more to drink at his place, and so I walked over to his apartment, I walk in this apartment, and not only did, not only was the entire apartment decorated like a dollhouse, like doilies, glass dolls, wallpaper, like, it was like literally walking inside the dollhouse, and I went, oh my goodness, I was like, I'm Stanford Blatch right at this moment. (laughs) But the even crazier thing was that I was in that exact same apartment. This makes me sound like really whorish all of a sudden. There's no sex that happened. Two years <laughs> previous, it was a, I ended up in that exact same space. And I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> so so you ended up twice in the dollhouse apartment? Uh, twice in the dollhouse apartment, except the previous time it wasn't a dollhouse. Uh-huh. And I was literally standing in this dollhouse, and I was going... I have been here before, and I was looking around, and the kitchen, everything was in the exact same layout, except everything was covered in dolls, and I went, oh, my goodness gracious. Anyways, I stayed for one night, Captain, and left. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was not lost. I actually definitely needed the nightcap at that point. But yeah, Did that we was... talk about it? Because like, I would think if someone had an eccentric mm. style and they were like, yeah, I don't no. know, it's just my thing. I might be all right with it, but it would be the not talking about it that would freak me out. Didn't mention, like, didn't mention a word. Mm. That makes it and much was more like, eccentric to me that they think. Much more eccentric. And that was exactly like kind of that thought when... <laughs> the two of them are on the bed and there's all these dolls looking oh my goodness so everything destroys and you hear that doll break but yeah I was just like that was that was true to form probably my most Stanford Lodge moment to life so maybe it won't look the way you thought it would look in high school but it's good to remember love is possible anything is possible this is New York